This is one woman's story about leaving Ukraine. We recorded this conversation on March 17, 2022. When we chatted, it had been three weeks since Russia invaded Ukraine, starting a war that would, as of today, four weeks after the invasion, displace 10 million people. This includes those moving within Ukraine to safer cities, along with the women and children who could cross borders and seek refuge in other countries. Anastasia is one of them. This is her story of leaving Ukraine. For links and related episodes, check out the show notes on balancingstories.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter for bonus content, free of course. And if you like what you hear and you want to support me, you can leave a tip through Buy Me a Coffee, link on the website. But let's go ahead and start the conversation. I'm Megan Kitchen, and this is Balancing Stories. Welcome, Anastasia, to Balancing Stories. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. I do appreciate that. And so we emailed a little bit back and forth, but in the end, I said, you know, let's not have any type of outline or agenda here because I'm guessing day to day, what's on your mind changes and how you feel about things changes. So I think we'll just open with what story do you want to share? <sighs> yeah. What story? Yes. Cause I have, you're right. I have many, I have my personal story of how it all started. And yeah, I'm from Ukraine. I had to flee my country on March 2nd, which was my birthday. Oh, Yeah, it was funny because several months ago, my husband and I would sit down and we were discussing where we would celebrate my, my birthday. And, you know, we were thinking Paris, Rome, because we love to travel. And here I was in my car, you know, driving and just fleeing the war. That's how it all, I mean, it started earlier was just with me waking up to explosions, but um, I can go with this so many ways now because there are so many reflections that happened on the way. There is factual information, you know, what started when and what happened to me and my girlfriends. Whatever you feel like would be more valuable to your audience, just, you know, lead me in there. And I'm happy to, I'm very raw. I'm not, there's nothing you cannot ask, seriously. I think my audience and, and myself, we would just love to know anything about your experience. I have listeners around the world, including countries that are very far away from this. I live in Munich, Germany. We have refugees coming into our city. We are fundraising and gathering things. So where I live, it feels very real. But for a lot of my listeners, maybe this is far, far away and is having no impact on their day to day. Yeah. I think what would be really valuable is the personal side of this. Mm -hmm. So I guess one question I have, which I think a lot of people are wondering, is what led to you deciding to get in that car and leave? Yeah, that's a beautiful question, by the way, because um, I was just talking to my other girlfriend in the morning. Um, she's still staying and she's staying in Kharkiv. And if you're following the news, Kharkiv is one of the, you know, very hot spots right now. Mm. And she has a baby. So I was asking her, what, you know, could you please leave? And your mind in such situations, it's in shock. It's frozen. 
mm-hmm. and you're telling yourself, I'm fine, this cannot be going on for real. So I will just stay. And it's a trap because so many people stayed and then were not able to get out. Going back, it was February 22nd. I was on a business trip, okay? And before leaving, so I lived in Kiev. Did all my, I had a beautiful, very successful agency on customer experience consulting. You know, we worked with top-tier brands like Max Mara, Kenzo, Hugo Boss, Banks, And, you know, I was a very popular speaker. (laughs) My calendar was all booked. I also taught at the business school. So, you know, it was pretty good and and fulfilling and impactful life. That's what I always wanted it to be, you know, impactful. So I was uh, leaving on a business trip from Kiev. And, of course, we all had this information, right, that there were troops, Russian troops gathered on the border so, yes, we had it, but again, your mind tells you this is impossible. You know, it, you can't have a full-scale invasion in the 21st century in the middle of Europe, right? Yes. So, but then I was like, okay, but what if? So I packed not a little suitcase, which I would have usually taken on a business trip. I packed a big, bigger one, okay? Mm-hmm. Thinking that maybe, you know, I would need more stuff. Now, it's funny what you grab when you kind of thing that you might not get back. It's just funny because um, I took my favorite purse and there was a Harvard Harvard Business Review in it. (laughs) And then, you know, I woke up in the morning from the explosions in that city where I was on a business trip and uh, I still wanted to go and do the workshop. (laughs) You know, I got ready, I put on my makeup and then my dad called and he said, Anastasia, the war has started. You have to get on a car and come closer to the Polish border. So my parents live closer to the Polish border. Okay. And um, I was so frustrated with him. I was like, I need, I, you know, I'm, I have responsibilities over here. I need to do a workshop. Again, your mind is just. So, um, yeah, so eventually I left and my colleague and I, we were both on a business trip. So we went to, to the Polish border where my parents live. We stayed with them for some time. And so far, that place is semi-safe because it's not being bombarded. But, um, you know, you probably heard that there was a bombardment um, 20 kilometers to the Polish border, which is super extra close. And then your life is like this. Like, you wake up in the morning, you read the news, you eat. No, you don't eat. For the first three days, I didn't eat anything. I lost like 10 kilograms, in <laughs> seriously, because you can't eat. So you don't eat, you, you just, you know, you scroll your phone for the news. Then the sirens go off for like, you know, every two hours. You have to run to the basement or to the bathroom. You sit there for some time. It could be 15 minutes. It could be hours. You sit there, then you go back. And it's like, it goes like this all the time. Mm. I did go out for like 10 minutes, but you're kind of afraid to go out because you don't know when, when the siren will go off and when you will have to find a safe place for yourself. So, and then my dad was like, you need to leave the country. I was like, no, I'm not leaving. (laughs) And that's again, another thing, another uh, mindset trap. People feel like if they leave, they're going to betray their country. Hmm. And that's another trap because there are so many people trapped now in the cities where you just cannot get those people out. It, just because they were thinking, you know, I'm staying, I'm a patriot, I'm brave enough and all of that. So, and I'm not trying to say it's bad. It's just that it's weird what your mind plays with you. 
so then I, you know, I got into a car and he said, no, you have to leave. So, you know, so I left. Now the thing to leave isn't easy at all because my girlfriends with their kids would be standing in their car for five days, like five days on the border in your car. You sleep in a car, you eat in a car, okay? Like for five days, because the lines are huge. Everybody wants to leave, right? Not everybody, women and kids. As a man, there's a law you can't get out if you're 18, 18 through 60. Um, and also it's interesting because you, it's almost like you have a goal in the beginning. You have to get yourself to a safe place, yourself or your kids, right? So you have that goal, you have those obstacles that you need to overcome, like, you know, standing in line for five hours, eating something while you're standing, you know, uh, having your kids play and sleep while you're standing. So, so you have several, like, you know, bullet points that you have to do. Now, once you cross the border and you are almost like facing an ocean of, you know, Germany, Italy, Hungary, Romania, uh, Poland, and you have no idea where to go or what to do next or where you're going to sleep, how you're going to feed your kids. I saw women like, and again, it's just, it's so sad. It's rows and rows of women driving their kids. And I saw so many women like weeping once they cross the border because they're scared. They don't know. And, um, yeah, so what got me, I'm sorry, back to your question, what got me get into that car was my dad. I myself probably wouldn't have, no, but he was like, you, you need to get out and get yourself to a safe place so that you can, you know, function because you can't function when you're running from the basement to, the, to, to your apartment from and again and again and again and again. And you're scared all the time. You're sleeping in your clothes. You know, you're stressed all the time. Um, and again, I consider myself lucky because some of my friends were under such, you know, horrible circumstances and bombardment and all of that. Some of them stayed in the basement for 14 days, you know, with little, little food. So, Yeah. Have your parents also left or are they still there? No, they're still there. Um, and um, that's the case with all... Older people, they just don't want to leave. It's very hard to get them out. Um, yeah, but dad is involved now uh, in uh, humanitarian aid. So like right now, he's somewhere in Europe taking humanitarian aid from Europe to Ukraine. Um, and mom is um, yeah in Ukraine. Okay. But then I keep telling myself, it's a safer place. You know, it's not like Kharkiv or... Uh, poor Melitopol or Mariupol. Mm. So, um, yeah. And uh, if I, you know, if I can get her out and make her go, make her leave, uh, I would be happy. But so far it isn't happening. Yeah. But you have made your way to Italy. What was the path from the Polish border to Italy? How did you decide to go there? Or what? I don't know what the logistics are of how you end up anywhere. Yeah, that's it's different for everybody. Um, sometimes some some of my girlfriends cross the border with uh, Poland, and then they would stay in the refugee camp. But you can only stay there for I bet either seven days or ten days. So there is a limit. You can't stay there for longer. Okay. And then you have to know where you're going next. Mostly, you would look for relatives 
somewhere in the EU or for France. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's that's a you know a trip for everybody. Now, um, if you have a car, so you just you know you cross the border with your car like we did, and uh, you you know you just you just drive to Italy or to Spain to, to where somebody's ready to host you. If you don't have a car, um, several options. There are volunteers that are helping you to get from you know one place to another, and then another to another place, and then um, right now they have. Um, they have lifted the prices for all ground transportation for Ukrainians in the EU. So you can take a free train, a free bus and get uh, whenever you need to go. And there's lots of other things. I don't know if you're seeing this in Italy, but there are schools that are opening up, art classes, um, therapists, people who are providing free services to help Ukrainians settle a little bit and feel safe as mm -hmm. safe as they can be in these new homes. How is it for you down in Italy? I'd say it differs, differs from country to country. So far, Poland has been like, you know, the best of the best. Yeah. You know, bringing everything to my girlfriends and yes, opening their schools. Um, schools are free then, but then um, it is not as much so in Italy and then it is not as much though so in France. So it just differs from country to country. And again, I am personally not expecting anything from those countries, okay? Um, it's nice when people are like that and, you know, full gratitude for that, but I am totally not on the side of the people who will be expecting something because, you know, uh, we are fleeing, yes. We have a huge problem in our country, yes. People are helping, that's beautiful, but I'm not going to, you know, say that they didn't do enough. <laughs> And so now you are with how many people are in kind of your bubble that you've created <laughs> down there yeah, in Italy? Yeah. yeah, it's it's the bubble, but they're not all in Italy. Okay, they're all stranded ah. everywhere. Okay, um, yeah. It but you've started, got this kind of network that you're working with. Yes, yes. Um, it started with just 10 of my girlfriends calling and asking, you know, um, Anastasia, I'm stuck in Croatia, I'm stuck in Romania, do you know anybody? Da, 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 da. And because of my work, um, I have so many international contacts and just people who I saw basically several times on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just weird how those people step in and open their homes, you know? So weird and nice weird. Yeah. I'm so, you know, overwhelmed by all the help. And so, and yes, I did know such people. So I started connecting those girlfriends with those people. And then, you know, somebody in Poland knows somebody in Germany and somebody in Germany knows, and it goes like that, right? The number one priority though was why, and here's the, the answer, why not everybody is using um, those huge websites on accommodation because there's a safety question. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we have some bad news from Germany. <laughs> yeah, where people, where women are disappearing. But it could be in Germany, it could be in Italy, it could be anywhere. It doesn't matter, you know, the country doesn't matter. Just that, you know, um, as usual, there's people, there are people who are helping and people who are trying to get, all, you know, to get something out of this situation. So safety is the biggest question. That's why I connected them only with the people I would know personally. Yeah. Yeah, but now I have 120. <laughs> 120 women yes. in your network. Yes. And mind you, you know, these are, I'm not accepting any, everybody into that group because only, again, somebody that I would only know because, again, safety issues. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, so now a good thing is that they are helping each other finally. So it's not like 100 people asking me questions all the time. It's they are now at the, at the stage when they can help each other. So for example, somebody would, you know, arrive in Poland just now and they would have the same questions that some women have already, you know, uh, solved for themselves, like schools and, and documentation and food and all of that. So that's good now. Yeah. There are th- three things that we are doing. Um, one, we are trying to help with accommodation. And now accommodation is a huge issue because it's easy to find an accommodation for two or three days. But now they're at the stage when they need uh, longer accommodation. So like for at least three months, you know, so that they can settle down. So that is hard. Um, number two, jobs. And support, we do have my beautiful friend from New York City. She's a top-rated therapist, but she has donated her time to do group calls with us. So today Mm -hmm. we're going to have a group call with her. So beautiful and healing. Then sometimes, you know, there will be this, I call this SOS. Yeah. (laughs) Something that requires money, just raw money, okay? So that's why I started doing those webinars to fundraise for them and... uh, yeah, so that's where we are now. It's interesting as I'm listening. At the border, they've got these refugee centers set up, and they're helping everyone, but it's time-limited. It is. And then some of these accommodations are time-limited, and that now people are starting to search for longer accommodations. They're searching for jobs and schools. For the women that you're talking to, how do they feel about starting to I don't know if we can call them roots, but put down roots in these temporary places when I'm, I'm assuming, but I could be wrong. The hope is to eventually go quote home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are the thoughts and feelings on that? Yeah. Well, um, firstly, I try to avoid the word refugee for several reasons. Okay. Um, Number one, legally, if you ask for a refugee status, it's, um, it's depriving you of many things back in Ukraine. Like in some countries, yeah, in some countries, even if you have refugee status, you cannot go back to Ukraine for at least a year. So, um, yeah, so that legally, it's not the right, you know, word that I would want to use. And then inside, um, I'd like for us to be called people who are temporarily in a different country, okay? That's how I want us to be called and that's how I want the world to think about us. And there is a deeper thought underneath that because I don't know about you, again, I'm going to speak only about myself, but every time I would hear the word refugee before everything happened in Ukraine, it had a very bad connotation in my mind. Mm. Or at least it wasn't in my mind that, you know, refugee is somebody who is um, not ready to work, only only wanting to, you know, to, to live on welfare or social benefits and, you know, and all the associated words with that. So, so that was me. Now, when I look at my girlfriends, <laughs> two, three degrees, HRD, marketing D, operations D, you know, coming out from huge, beautiful companies, because again, you know, my girlfriends come from where they're either they either were uh, my students at the business school, so that tells you already something about them. You know, MBAs, 
and or they, they used to be my clients. So when I look at them, I'm like, okay, so a refugee is a person who could be twice, you know, smarter than I am, but just that this person was forced to leave the country. We didn't want to leave our country. Nobody wants to. It's not like we, you know, we left in the hope for a better life. <laughs> every single girl, every single person who had to leave wants to go back. Yesterday, my news feed on Facebook was loaded. I don't know what kind of day it was since the start of, of the war, because I believe there's some psychological, you know, milestones that we are passing. But yesterday, it was loaded with, you know, heartbreaking posts about how I want to go back to my home, to my apartment, you know, to open it with my keys, to touch my cat, and to, to make myself some coffee and avocado toast. So everybody wants to go back, you know, our life is there, our apartments are there, my clothes, my stilettos, favorite stilettos are there. I think about them all the time, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. So we want to go back. Yesterday, a girlfriend called and she said, Anastasia, I need to be looking for a free accommodation and for a longer time because I cannot afford paying for accommodation. I have some savings, but they are for my kids. So, so they don't have a choice. They have to start working and you will see educated women doing like warehouse work. Mm. Because not all of them speak English and not all of them can wait, even if they speak English, you know, not all of them can wait until they go through, you know, 25 interviews and get accepted somewhere. So they, they need money like now, like today. It's interesting what I hear you saying about the word refugee, because I think this is a topic of conversation globally right now. Like you said, that the word refugee had a negative connotation. Yeah. And what you're saying is now that you and your girlfriends are refugees, you're realizing that was not the truth, that we had this impression, but it wasn't necessarily the correct representation of the people. We need to really look at how we are viewing language in this case. And I understand why you don't want to be called a refugee, because you don't want people to associate you in the way we have always associated this word with things. But we could also try really hard change our reflex when it comes to how we respond to that word. Because refugee is not a bad word. If anything, it represents people who are very strong and resilient. And I have to check myself on that. And it's an unlearning. Yeah, because, you know, um, a professional surgeon is a professional surgeon. Doesn't matter, you know, where he or she is now, in which country, right? Yeah. So also even, you know, because I am a speaker, so I've spoken on stages, you know, from India to Brussels and New York City. And so many times I would hear my fellow speakers starting their speeches with something like, you know, I used to be an immigrant and now I am this. So now I even want to redefine this because it's almost like I was an immigrant, so... But now I'm accepted by the society. So I had to do this and 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 this endless list. Now I'm accepted by the society. So again, it means that the society views immigrants as you have to prove yourself. But I'm so sorry. Those people could be three times more educated than 
than you know us or you or or whoever, right? Or the, the neighbors in their host country. Yeah. Exactly. So just you know, start accepting them as um, equals, and and start. Why don't we start accepting those people right away and not when they you know prove themselves? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why is, you're right, the word immigrant also, I had a conversation with um, a Romanian, Madalena, she was on my show, and she was just trying to write a thing for her LinkedIn profile, and she works in relocation, and so she wanted to emphasize the fact that she herself was an immigrant, so she is there for you, you know, as a selling point, but someone told her, you shouldn't put the word immigrant in your profile because it has a negative connotation, you should put expat. And she said, well, I don't feel like an expat. That word doesn't represent me. But we need to reframe it. Refugee is not a bad word. Immigrant is not a bad word. The world moves. We should be able to move within the world and not feel weighed down by the things that people call us. Okay, so we're looking at a semi-permanent solution right now because we don't know if when, how you all get to go back to Ukraine? What are the feelings and the kind of, I don't know, what, what's going on around this? You know, it, it, it's, it's up and downs all the time, of course, because at some point, so I'm staying at my friends, okay? And my friends are hosting and they're so, I don't feel like I'm not accepted or something. So it's just beautiful. At the same time, I understand that I can be staying here forever, right? So, so I have to do something to move out, to rent my own apartment, and to, to, to have a job and all of that. So, but then a mere thought of what's next freezes you. Like it scares you so bad. <laughs> because here you are, there are so many paths in front of you. You can actually go to any country now and have a legal you know, job and residency permit for Ukrainians. Mm. But your mind is not in the state of, okay, you know, let's, let's look at this from the uh, possibilities perspective or opportunities perspective, right? It's not like you can hire a coach <laughs> as you would have in your normal life. And you would ask them, you know, so what do you think, you know, help me over here with all those beautiful possibilities, opportunities. No, your mind is like, inside I feel like um, you know like there is this huge ocean and I'm a little girl and I have to make a decision to step into that ocean but I'm withdrawing all the time you know because <laughs> you're not sure if you're going to step in here is it your past or it isn't or is it just that you know you you made that step because you were afraid or it looked like a good decision but it, it you know with time it is not going to be a good decision so, uh, yeah, the feeling of confusion and being overwhelmed. And then, you know, somebody would call you, like I had my friend call me and she says, you know, why don't you come to a country? She named the country. She said, I have a you know, place for you to live in. And, and you're almost forced to make a huge, major decision about your life in like two days. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Yeah, decisions that most people spend months or years considering for international moves and career pivots, they're like, um, can you let me know by the end of the day? Exactly. And nothing else, because I'm a Christian, so I, 
you know, I usually go back to prayer when I need a solution, but nothing helps. Nothing you, you inside, you don't feel secure about any decision. Like, you know, I'm in Italy now in the northern part, but then you can get into your car and be in France, Nice in just, you know, several hours and you could, and there is a beautiful sea there, right? And and the sun and you could be living there is that so it just is there also kind of a contrast no maybe that's not the right word but something going on in your mind where you are sitting and i can see you we're on video in a beautiful room with gold frame pictures behind you in this italian home but you're looking at the news at your country and it's not the same you are sitting in sunshine and a representation of what we could even say is wealth and privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd say that um, I used to have this, oh my gosh, you know, I have fled and um, the guilt of somebody, guilt of survivor, right? They Survivor's guilt, yeah. yeah. But now um, I don't allow those thoughts because again, number one, this is, this everything is not mine. I'm just, you know, being, I'm just allowed to be here for some time. <laughs> and, um, uh, to me, I made a point that I am helping my girlfriends on a daily basis, and this is what I can do, and I'm, you know, doing that. Mm. So I have a mission for right here and right now, you know. So no, I don't. I, I'm, you know, it breaks my heart when I see those pictures. It just, you know, and then constantly I would have. Now it started with my close friends losing their husbands. Mm. Okay, so it's just, it's, you know, it's. I don't have words for this. Heartbreaking is not the right word. It's just you, you, you almost feel like you want to just, you know, fall on the ground and, and weep all the time. And like last Sunday, that's exactly what I did. Because sometimes, you know, your emotions are just going so down. But then you wake up, you, you have somebody who's hosting a podcast. <laughs> you put on your jeans instead of your jammies. You, you know, you put on some mascara, you hold yourself up and you're like, okay, you know, let's see what I can do today. Mm. And I think that only helping others, and it's funny because um, service is everything I've been teaching for my business, right? Mm -hmm. so, so only serving others helps you through this time. Yeah. Because if I were to concentrate on myself all the time, where should I go? Where should, where should I live? You know, do I have enough savings? Uh, where will I have a job? Where will I have a job? Will I be able to do that job? Good. Do I have to, do I have to give up my expertise and completely change a career? If I were concentrated just on myself and those thoughts, I would have been completely unproductive. Mm. So it's almost like you're so, you're feeling so broken for, everything going on there but then you you know you come back to yourself and you're like okay what can I do to help where I am and once you have an answer to that question it, it becomes easier yeah what can I do mm -hmm. and even if it feels small I have a friend here collecting donations and she said even five euros can buy children's Tylenol you know can put money towards a sleeping bag for people it doesn't matter how big or small your action is, you are able to do something. And so look for what that thing is. But I think yours is a little bit more than buying a bottle of children's Tylenol. Your actions are, are huge. 
what you're doing. And I hope you know that and you're encouraged. See, I don't don't see them as huge. I see them as anyone who would have a wealth of network that I have anyone would have used it in such a case to help somebody else. That's how it's, it's a no brainer for me. A friend of mine, she's a financial expert. She calls me and she says, Anastasia, I am in a, again, in, in EU, in a new country and, um, with two kids. And I just gave birth to a third one last night. And I was like, okay, you know, what help do you need? Do you need baby clothes? Do you need baby food? She's like, uh, that, yes, but I I know that you have some job opportunities for English-speaking people. Could you please give me something I can be on and working in two days? <laughs> I was like, what? You know, giving birth to a child is, I don't have my own kids, but it's just, it's one of the most beautiful, like you will remember that forever and ever, right? One of the most beautiful times of your life and you probably... You don't want to be. Her husband is back in Ukraine. She's by herself. So, of course, you know, I found somebody who is in that country. And that woman said she was an angel. She said, no, 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 you know, I'll take care of that. So she arranged for her friends. And they came and brought her baby food, baby clothes, a stroller. And this woman is just now, you know, sending me huge letters of gratitude. But again, Think about this. It's not about me at all. It's only about the connections. And I have a whole speech right now that I'm going to be sharing. It's all around your network is the only thing that stays when you lose everything. Mm. And I mean it because you think you're safe when you have a safe job or, I don't know, your husband is providing for you, right? Or you have savings and you have a house. That's why you feel safe. Now imagine you wake up one day and all that is gone. You only have one suitcase and a folder with documents. Now, I never thought that your life could be just, you know, fit into a folder with documents. <laughs> you know, a passport, yeah, that's it. That's your life. Marriage certificate. But the only thing that stayed was this, again, I don't like the word network. And it's not for work, it's for connections, like real, truthful connections. So these people, it's not about me, it's me connecting my girlfriends to people that I know, and then, you know, being able to have everybody connected, and then they help each other. Yeah. You say, who wouldn't do this? But I don't think that everyone would give up all of their days working 24-7 for all of this to happen. And I think you need more credit. Thanks. I will will reflect on that because I don't feel like it inside. Yeah, but there are some, you know, there are some uh, downsides of that also because it's much easier to help somebody else than to help yourself. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. I have a friend who um, she works with grief. She wrote a whole book on grief. And there's a whole chapter on escapism where... Instead of facing your own grief, you you work on everything else. You do all the other things. Right now, a lot of people are benefiting from that from you, but I hope you do get to take some time to just lay on the floor and cry and and to face your own grief and process it. Yeah, it, it yeah. 
yeah, that's something I'm reflecting on. Um, I'm a doer, you know, <laughs> I've Me always too. been a doer. Yeah, I get that. So I do, 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 and then reflect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so I can't judge you on that. But I also know, because I've taken the time far too late to reflect on things that have happened in my life, that I wish I would have taken the time sooner. Hmm. Well, I want to say thank you for sharing your story and for, for coming on the podcast and making the time for us today. Any last thoughts you want to leave my listeners with? Yeah. Um, and I know that we have heard this million billion of times that there are so many things that are completely unimportant, right? We stress about such unimportant things. And I know it's easily said than done. I totally understand that. But from my experience, I have to tell you, everything, not just a part of, no, everything that I thought was important before the war has become unimportant. Hmm. Not just a part of it, not just 50%, 90%, 95%, everything. I was, I'll give you examples. Before the war, I was so stressed that um, my wardrobe was, you know, full with clothes. And I was like talking to my husband, we need to get a bigger wardrobe because, you know, I'm so stressed with all this stuff being packed like this. Yep. Now I have a choice of two pairs of jeans. And mind you, you're probably thinking, can you go out and buy stuff? How I usually did it before. You cannot because you're trying, trying to save as much as possible. You know, one more example, I was super stressed about our car and I was like we haven't changed that car for four years now I'm so happy we have a car because <laughs> we can move around you yeah. know and then I'm also I don't know if you have people here who are crazy about fashion I'm like that like I'm crazy about fashion so it was a huge stress several weeks ago when I put on something and then I, I felt like it didn't go together. And for the whole day, I was so stressed. I couldn't even do my work. <laughs> so, and again, I'm not trying to tell, you know, stop buying nice things. No, no. You know, we, we need that. We need the aesthetics. We need beautiful things in our lives. It's not just, I'm not going to tell, you, you know, just go and become a nomad, nomad and, and look at the beauty of the nature. Mm -mm. But just every time you're stressed, okay, let's do this this way. Every time you're stressed, ask yourself, would this be important for any stage right now? Okay, you can use my name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, make, we'll make a little graphic. Would this exactly. be important for any stage right now? Exactly. <laughs> and I you know, promise you, you'll be so relieved. Some, some connections, some, some relationships will become completely unimportant. Mm. And of course, you know what the word does? It makes everything black or white. There is, mm. you know, you can talk about this, maybe that. You can have those beautiful philosophical discussions having a glass of wine on the terrace of the beautiful restaurant. At, if you're at war, everything becomes black or white. So, yeah, if you're stressing out about some relationships, ask yourself again, would any stage of it, you know, you know, the, you know the sentence now? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good sentence to be asking ourselves. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I'm going to use that today. Because, because the question is, you know, what, what does matter? Are we fed? Are we mm. loved? Are we being a good friend? Are we being helpful to our fellow man, fellow woman? Those are the things that matter. And yes, like you said, we can sprinkle in some beautiful clothes because everyone needs something to, to be happy about as well. But let's not let those weigh us down. Let's find joy in those beautiful things, but not stress. If they're causing us stress, it's not worth it. Exactly. Now, okay. Uh-oh. There's something, yeah, there's something that will probably put you in shock, but I have to say that. So uh, about the beautiful clothes and purses. Yes, I sense that this is very important to you. <laughs> no, 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 but listen, listen. No, listen. Listen how, how everything becomes so unimportant. So I brought you know, one, one of my very expensive uh, purses. You know why? Because I'm thinking that if I'm out of money, I can sell it. So now everything is only an asset. You're like, you don't care about it at all. You're just thinking, you know, if I sell it, it will mm -hmm. keep me like for a month. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, yeah, how everything becomes completely. Yeah, I think a big topic from today's conversation is just perspective. You're right. Perspective on vocabulary, perspective on importance in life, perspective on friendships and family and and how everything changes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for, for coming and having this conversation with me. Thank you so much. Your questions were very deep. That's, that's valuable, really. No, I, it's invaluable, really. A big thank you to Anastasia for sharing her story. For more about her and related episodes, check out the show notes on balancingstories.com. As always, while you're there, sign up for the newsletter for bonus content, free of course. And if you like what you hear and you want to support me, you can leave a tip through Buy Me a Coffee, link on the website. Thank you for listening. This was Balancing Stories, and I'm Megan Kitchen. Megan Kitchen.